Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOUL. New SkyRadio.com. Is anything really going to happen to the world in 2012? I mean, nothing happened yesterday. Yeah. But in 2012, if it does happen, will it be a Dante-style journey through hell? Will it be a natural disaster, or will we do it to ourselves? Hello there, and welcome to the 242nd edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I'm Ben, and those kind of scary questions came from my co-host and partner in the paranormal, my dad. It's kind of ironic, our show topic tonight, Ben and I were on the Coast to Coast AM last Monday and uh, created quite a stir somewhat, judging from the number of emails we received and the reaction of the callers. Uh, our own take on the 2012 to 2016 period and all this business and uh, some things we, we kind of went out uh, farther than we've ever gone before on a lot of things, but that's another story. So it's kind of ironic we're talking about something similar tonight. And it's not often that we have a novelist as a guest, but Dr. Steve Alton, New York Times best-selling author of some of the scariest stories of undersea critters that I've ever read, does his homework. In his latest book, he has turned his attention to a subject that has drawn the attention of many people, the Doomsday Prophecies of 2012. A native of Philadelphia, Steve earned his doctorate in education from Temple University. And in 1995, he penned his first novel, Meg, a novel of deep terror which ended up on every major bestseller list and I believe is due out this year as a movie. You'll correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, that led to a series of novels about modern-day survivals of that lovable 70,000-pound prehistoric megalodon shark and Steve's 10th book, Hell's Aquarium, which we talked about on his last appearance on the show just over a year ago, is also due out soon as the movie Stranglehold. Today oh, we're... Yeah, that was based on that. I didn't know that. Yeah, well, see, we learn something on this show all the time, huh? But, oh, yeah. Uh, today we're looking at his newest book, Grim Reaper, End of Days. And as we talk with Steve Alton today, feel free to join the discussion. Let's hope if that's turned into a movie, it does not have... Uh, what's his name? I don't even remember his name. I, uh, Josh Ackland. No, the guy who's always in every single movie with his sister. What? Yeah. I, I don't know. You know the movie well, you're more up on movies. Than anyway, let's, okay, let's, let's, Steve Alton, welcome back to Behind the Paranormal. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay. And, and let me apologize right away for missing the last two uh, scheduled radio shows due to extenuating circumstances. No, of course. Well, we love you, and uh, so uh, what, you're here tonight, and what else counts, right? It's not your fault, so. Yeah. Okay. Now, Steve, uh, I must say, uh, that said, you make me sick. It takes me five years to write a book, and you seem to produce these edge-of-the-seat gems like every year. I don't know how you do that. But uh, as I said off the air, I really enjoyed Grim Reaper. As I say, it was a little bit vivid, but uh, all too easy to imagine. And without giving away too much, can you give us a basic outline of the story? Well, Grim Reaper End of Days is about one man's journey through the nine circles of hell to... Uh to try to save his family, but it, it really uh, is a lot more than that. It, it deals with a, a, a plague that hits New York City, a man-made biological plague that is actually being designed as we speak in uh, Fort Detrick, Maryland. And, uh, it, you know, it, the book reveals a lot about uh, ourselves and, and why we, you know, uh, humans exist and what our purpose is and and uh, tries to do that in, in paralleling Dante's Inferno. Okay. Actually, I was just reading something about this, but I'm pretty sure that your book is not about a zombie apocalypse. So, based on your research into 2012, do you really think something like that could happen or will happen? Well, 
first of all, do I think that a, a biological attack could happen? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, do I think that uh, uh, these biologicals are, are being designed and and uh, illegally uh, by our our own government? Yes. Uh, we, I have the proof to that. Uh, it's out there and, and uh, it's in the book. Um, do I believe that something's going to happen in 2012? I, I, I think that uh, a major change is going to happen. Uh, it has to happen because, uh, uh, not because the Mayans said so, but because of all the things that are being forecast uh, with our economy, with the end of oil, with the changes that the end of oil brings. Uh, you know, these are these are massive disturbances, uh, you know, for the human race. And, and some people will be ready and some people won't. And, and, and unfortunately, uh, when you remove oil from the equation, uh, you get a, a situation where there's not enough food to eat. And, and your population drops from 6.5 billion people worldwide uh, to about 500 million. And that's a, that's a, a major 2012 happening. Wow. Well, so uh, you think this uh, disaster in that period could be self-inflicted? I, I think that part of it is uh, a self-inflicted wound. I, I think that uh, um, that um, you know you have to look, when you're looking at uh, the end of humanity as the mind. First of all, let's take a step back for a second um, because all this stems from the Mayan calendar's prophecy, and the prophecy uh, comes from a device, the Mayan calendar, which is actually an instrument of time and space that measures how long it takes the earth to revolve around the sun. And somehow, and this is part of the disturbing information, is, is that the Mayans, who were basically a jungle-dwelling group of Indians, managed to come up with a device or a series of devices that uh, measured the earth, the earth's revolution around the sun a 10,000 of a day more accurately than we did 1,500 years later. So how were they able to do this? It doesn't make any sense. It's because they, this is a race that never mastered the wheel. But they create this, you know, unbelievable calculation. Well, it turns out that they had a leader called Kukulkan, who was described as a tall Caucasian man with long flowing beard and white hair and deep blue eyes and and, and an incredible uh, amount of science information. And um, the Mayan calendar itself is actually composed of four different calendars in one. And uh, it's sort of like, you know, works like the gears of a clock. So not only does it make prophecies that span five great cycles, the fifth of which ends on December 21st in the year 2012, but it also has a lot of predictions in it, which are based upon uh, these 20-year epochs and called katooms. And, and so as you start looking at the Mayan calendar and its prophecies, you start to realize that a lot of things are starting to happen based upon the prophecies that deal with uh, September 11th, that deal with the end of oil, that deal with uh, great changes in the air, that deal with the negativity that is that is uh, you know uh, become the overriding factor in in, in today's society. Uh, you know, greed, corruption, um, malice, you know, murder, mayhem, all, all these things that we that we've been experiencing. Uh, you know throughout history, but, but more so lately. Uh, the greed that's corrupted Wall Street, politicians, you know, and people are sick of it, and, you know, we see it coming to a head in the Middle East right now and in countries like Syria and Iraq, uh, or, or 
or not Iraq, but uh, Iran and, and uh, uh, Libya. And, and so something is happening. So the question is, is it just happening or is it happening because it's supposed to happen? Well, let, let me uh, – Ben's got more questions here, but I just want to interject. Is, isn't it possible that uh, this is a matter of perception with the information overload, as the cliche goes, we know everything that's going on pretty much everywhere, and uh, that was never the case throughout history. Is it not possible that we are simply hearing about things that are going have gone on throughout history, even the earthquakes and all the baloney uh, that's going on from the natural point of view, the disasters, uh, the upheavals, the, uh, the the political, the corruption? We just perhaps didn't know about it before, so it didn't seem so serious. Is it possible it's just a matter of perception and that things really aren't all that different than they've ever been? Well, I don't think you need Twitter to under, to learn that a, a, a tsunami washes over part of Japan and, you know, threatens nuclear reactors there. I don't think you need Twitter to understand that there's revolution going on in Syria and Libya and, and, and other places. I, I don't think that the Internet is necessary to understand that that uh, peak oil is a real phenomenon and, and that that oil can be... You know, when we talk about peak oil, we're talking about the world's oil reserves can be measured in a bell-shaped curve, and the the top of that curve uh, at its uppermost point is is the peak. Well, peak oil occurred in 2005, which means that we're on a downward slope of a curve that is being pulled out pretty quickly. In other words, um, there's there's a finite amount of oil on this planet, and once you use up the the uh, amount that you can draw out without becoming into a negative energy factor, meaning that it takes oil to get oil, and if it takes 20 barrels of oil to get 1,000 barrels of oil, then you pump, and if it takes 20 barrels of oil to get 19 barrels of oil, you don't pump. So once you reach the situation where you can't draw out any more, uh, you've got a problem. So, so what's the problem? Well, it has nothing to do with the amount of information that's available to us, it has to do with the reality that we are a civilization that requires oil to grow food. Uh, 2% of America, Americans are farmers, 2% or less than 2%. How are they able to feed this country, let alone other countries? Well, it's because these farmers are industrial farmers. They use uh, industrial fertilizers and pesticides. The soil is destroyed. Um, they use uh, trucks and machinery to which which run on oil to to bring the product to market uh, to to harvest the product to keep it going year after year. And now, when you eliminate oil from the equation, you can't grow the kind of food. I mean, I don't know if if, if you and your son are are farmers, but I'm not. And I, you know, do I have an, how much food do you have in your house right now? That's going to and how long will it last you? Yeah. So, I mean, these are scary situations to say nothing about the the fact that, you know, you're talking about the electricity that heats and cools our homes. Uh, you know, there are many places in the United States that are, would basically be rendered uninhabitable if it wasn't for oil. So this is a real situation, and if you think that September 11th was about um, Osama bin Laden and, and, and uh, the invasion of Iraq was about 9-11, then, you know, Maybe you do need to Twitter more because <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. I know. You know the, 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 the people that are you know at the top know about this stuff, and the reason that we're still in Iraq ten years later is because we ain't leaving. 
Yeah, yeah. We've got military bases built there to control the country that, you know, are they're pretty vast, like a small city. Well, we have, so, to, get rid of, well, I have to interrupt. We have to get ready to take a break here. Sure. We'll be right back with Steve Alton here on Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS New Sky Radio, NewSkyRadio.com. Stay with us. Join Kimmy Rose on interviews Thursday nights from 9 to 11 p.m. Together as a community, we will embrace the challenges in life and find a way to experience heaven on earth. Spiritual teachers and Kimmy will bring you insight on how to change your life and embrace purpose. Interviews this Thursday night starting at 9. It's all about what's within you.
is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOUL. New SkyRadio.com. Believe. And we're back with our guest Steve Alton, New York Times bestselling author. <clears throat> and we are not talking about sharks this evening. We're talking about 2012 and the potential for serious changes to our planet based on his book, <coughs> excuse me, Grim Reaper, End of Days, which I enjoyed very much. Uh, ben, take it away. All right, so how did you go about researching the 2012, uh, 2012 prophecies? Well, I have another series called Domain, and that deals directly with the mind counter and its 2012 prophecies, so I was pretty well versed before I started Grim Reaper. Grim Reaper takes a little bit different tact. Uh, it's... Uh, Yes, it does take place in 2012, but it's more a prophecy that is is um, uh, perpetuated by man. Uh, uh, basically, uh, there have been um, tw- two times in history, uh, depending upon what you believe, that, that man has come either close to being annihilated or annihilated. The first time uh, happened, uh, you know, during the time of the flood of Noah. And, you know, most people are familiar with that story, but, but the story that's in the Bible is, is you have to sort of interpret it. Uh, and one of the ways to interpret it is, is through the Zohar, which is the tool of Kabbalah, which is a 4,000-year-old spiritual study that uh, until recently has been, you know, limited to Jewish men of the age of 40 who were Orthodox, and, you know, basically the, the information was kept secret. But um, the bottom line was that at the time of Noah, greed and corruption, you know, ruled the earth, and and, and uh, the Creator decided that enough was enough. Um, the second time it almost happened was 666 years ago from 2012, which is, you know, from numerology is a little scary, but um, at that time uh, the Black Plague went rampant, uh, across Asia and spread into Europe. And man was almost eliminated. Uh, the population of the planet was reduced by 60% uh, in a pretty nasty plague that spread uh, basically by people walking on foot or horseback or by ship. So uh, in 2012, uh, in, in Grim Reaper and the Days, um, a biological plague, man-made version of the bubonic plague is unleashed uh, it's unleashed by a scientist who's been working on it, a, a woman named Mary Clipote. Uh, she's a scientist at Fort Detrick, Maryland, and she's a microbiologist. And um, she's decided that, that God has selected her uh, to bring in the end of days, revelations. And, to, and by doing it using sight, which is the version of the bubonic plague that's unleashed in Manhattan at the UN to all the heads of state. And so you have a, a bunch of things going on at the same time. Sight is spreading through Manhattan. Manhattan's being isolated. Uh, the president and the leaders of the world are caught in the UN. And this returning soldier from Iraq, who's been on four deployments, um, is uh, Patrick Shepard, is trying to deal with his own uh, tainted soul. His soul tainted by the deeds that he was involved in in four deployments in Iraq. And at that point, the, the book sort of takes on the parallels of Dante's Inferno. Yeah. Oh, yeah speaking, right. well, speaking of which, 
Why did you use the Dante's Inferno model? Model, or did he already answer that? No, I don't know. So yeah, why did you use? Well, the from a creative standpoint, you know, what I wanted to do is write a book that dealt with uh, the things that sicken me, which is uh, the corruption that we're seeing in society between the bankers and the lawyers, not the lawyers, but the politicians and and and. Oh, there's plenty uh, of lawyers too. Believe me. Well, there are good lawyers and there are bad lawyers. Yeah. But, um, and lawyers are necessary in certain capacities, but, you know, you've got politicians on both sides of the aisle who basically are not serving in the best interest of man or Americans. They're serving their own best interests. And uh, you've got bankers who are, you know, I I don't need to go on. I think pretty much get it. But the point is, is that, um, you know, uh, there are ramifications to pay in these situations, and, and uh, Dante's Inferno goes into that. It's, it's a journey. Dante's Inferno is a, a 14th century book that came out that, that uh, is a classic, and it deals with the corruption of man and, and you know, the journey of the soul toward God. And um, by combining that with some things, wisdom of Kabbalah and some of the things that are going on in, or supposedly going on in 2012, I uh, came up with a pretty neat, unique uh, novel. Yeah, I think so, too. All right, so have you seen any evidence for other disaster scenarios? As opposed to the self-inflicted one with disease. Yeah, actually, um, I have a book. (laughs) It seems like all I write about is either sharks or disaster stories. But um, (laughs) You have a cheerful life. It it can get depressing. Yeah. Um, Actually, uh, the third in the Domain series called Phobos, My Fear, is coming out in October, and uh, that has a, cir- a circumstance that uh, is really scary because it, it could not only mean the end of humanity but the end of the world, and that is the um, uh, the Large Hadron Collider that's in Geneva. Mm. Uh, is I don't know what people understand what this thing actually does, but uh, scientists, uh, and I'll call them ego-driven scientists, um, in an attempt to identify a particle called the God particle, of all things, um, have created a $10 billion science experiment, which essentially um, recreates the Big Bang moments after it happened by colliding at near light speed um, atoms together and and recording what happens in four different places around this giant ring that is underground mm-hmm. because it gives off radiation. But in the process of doing so, they're creating miniature black holes. And there's a type of miniature black hole called a stranglet that's hypothetical, but it seems to appear that that's what's happening, is that when they, when they create these great bursts of energy that recreates the Big Bang in search of this God particle, they're creating stranglets, black holes. And if one of these black holes uh, absorbs other atoms and and grows, um, (laughs) it could basically put a black hole out there that would just continuously cross back and forth through the planet's core until it got so large that it would essentially ingest the planet. I think you just explained something that I had trouble understanding before you said it. I'll get into that later maybe. All right, let's um, well let, let, let let's look at some other points of view here, Steve. Now there are a lot of people who think that 
the you know if anything does happen in 2012 2016 period or just 2012 it could be something positive a lot of people think maybe it's wish fulfillment uh that uh, there will be a, a transformation of human consciousness that the you know sort of new age will be fulfilled and uh, consciousness shift and uh, or et may return and save us from our <laughs> i mean what, what do you say about the positive points of view on on this scenario well, you know, when you smash a bunch of lemons, you can get lemonade, but you're, if the lemons are people, you know, it gets a little upsetting. I, I mean, your transformation is only going to occur because of, of something disastrous that happens. I mean, you know, you don't rebuild Haiti unless Haiti has a massive earthquake where a lot of people die. Mm. I'm not sure we're going to recreate Haiti anyway. You don't rebuild New Orleans unless a Category 5 hurricane comes in and blows it over. Uh, you don't uh, rebuild Japan unless uh, a tsunami hits based upon an earthquake. So, you know, is, are good things can good things come out of 2012? Well, yeah, but I mean, if, for that to happen, there has to be a major change, and the major change is what's the problem in 2012. Yeah, I agree. You just don't, you don't wake up on December 21st, 2012, and all the politicians who are basically, you know, have their hands out to, you know. Big Oil and other companies say, wow, you know, I had a dream last night that I'm going to burn in hell, and I think I'm going to do the right thing from now on. That, that is not going to happen. I hear you. I hear you. All right. Now, as I mentioned during the break, um, you know, I was in the military, uh, and I even did a little intelligence work here and there, and uh, we used to halt, we used to refer to the, um, the these these doomsday weapons, and this is many years ago when they were developing this stuff. Why do you think – we couldn't figure it out. Why do you think – these hideous plagues and viruses and bacteria would be developed by governments with any hope of weaponizing them. I mean, I, I mean, without with any hope of controlling them. I mean, I, what's what did you find out in your research about why these things were actually developed? Well, let's look at the the if you will the math involved. Um, we've invaded Iraq and Afghanistan, and we've got soldiers who have been deployed three and four and five different times. So the military is essentially broken. So if you wanted to invade a country and, uh, you know, essentially uh, uh, you don't have the manpower to do it, if you, if you drop pamphlets with um, uh, a biological plague on it, uh, you can wipe out a population without destroying its infrastructure, which saves you a trillion dollars, and uh, you could bring in the uh, the cure to the plague and make the pharmaceutical companies rich, richer. And so, you you know, if you're a, a psychopath and you also have to be a politician or you work in the Pentagon, and I say psychopath, and I don't, I don't, I don't mean that in a facetious way. I mean that straightforward. A psychopath is somebody who operates without conscience. It's not necessarily Hannibal Lecter eating fava beans with your brain. It's, it's, it's also a psychopath of somebody who does something and has no morality. And it becomes and it easier and easier every time you do it. So it's basically. Yeah, I mean, it like doesn't bother person. them. So you have, you know, we know that 5% of the human population are psychopaths. Well, they don't all camp out in mental institutions or, or the Unabomber. Some of them are politicians. Some of them work in the Pentagon. Some of them work in the military. And they look at the human equation as numbers on a on a on a pie chart, not mm. not uh, uh, you know somebody who who means anything to them. It doesn't. So they devise these things because 
they think, well, America has to be, you know, um, Superman and the globe, and we have to be the world's police. And in order to accomplish our goals, we'll just wipe out 60 million Iranians and without batting an eye, without losing any bit of sleep. Well, you know, I've never been a two minutes here. I've never been a conspiracy theorist, uh, but you know, the, the more we have done this show, I've been on the air for going on three years now, and the more people I've talked to, intelligent people and people who've done their homework, such as yourself, I'm be really beginning to wonder. Um, with the, the the entire scenario, and there could be many scenarios, is uh, is suspicious because uh, from the government's point of view, because this is it's not as if this just started. This the groundwork for this. Just, just the biological warfare program uh, was late in the 1950s, so it's not as if somebody just came up with this. I mean, there seems to be a long-term, consistent scenario that doesn't really match up with the various um, forms of government as we see. In other words, you've got Democrats and obviously Republicans and obviously you've got Liberal Times, you got Conservative Times, you got all this stuff that makes us think that we're in charge, but there seems to be something deeper behind it. Do you have any evidence that, that, or any belief that there is uh, a, a control? Well, the lack of a better term, a controlling hand behind this over the past fifty or sixty years. That that uh, and and that we're not really in charge of any of this. I mean, uh, do I have any evidence? No. Well, uh, am I looking for an Illuminati or or world uh, uh, dominance that's go that pulling far. the puppet yeah. strings? I, you know, you you can go crazy looking for that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, can. The more important issue is uh, why are we spending a hundred million dollars a year building biological weapons that not only defy our treaties with the rest of the world, but have the capability of elu- uh, eliminating humankind? Yeah. You know, uh, and and why aren't people speaking up about it? Yeah. Well, we have to wrap for a break, Steve. We'll be right back with our guest, uh, Steve Walton, here on the Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS New Sky Radio, NewSkyRadio.com. Stick around. Enlighten. Empower. Enrich. This is CBS Radio's The New Sky. New horizons. No boundaries.
itself down dust. I wanna be with you. I'm gonna be with you in the color. CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal. With Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOL. NewSkyRadio.com. And we are back with our guest Steve Alton, and we're talking about things that have to do with the scenario of 2012. And the center of our discussion, of course, is his book, Grim Reaper, End of Days. And our title of our show is uh, 2012 End of Days with a question mark, because we just don't know. Now, Steve, <clears throat> we were um, discussing various uh, scenarios here. And one uh, thing that has occurred when we've talked to other people about 2012, notably the novelist D'Erlon, uh, and you and he and one other person are the, and uh, uh, Jeremy Robinson are the only fiction writers we allow on this show, because you do your homework and you know your stuff from a nonfiction point of view. Yeah, it's not like Dan Brown crap. <laughs> oh, this, don't get a sued, Ben. All right, anyway. But th- there's a matter of uh, the 2012 scenario from the viewpoint of the, the, the galactic alignment that is going on. Many people are saying, well, this, this is really what's happening. And every six, and it's funny you mentioned that, that term 666 years ago, the Black Plague. 660 roughly million years ago and before that as well, that there seem to be mass extinctions or, or, or mass transformations. Now, the, the, the Cambrian extinction in the uh, prehistoric period was about 660 million years ago, and before that there was another <clears throat> huge upheaval for the Earth, and, and, and so we're looking at the similar conditions now with the galactic alignments and the various flattening out of the galactic plane and all this business that astronomers tell me is really happening, but they, they don't know whether it's going to create anything. Do you see anything as serious as a mass extinction coming up, uh, given all these geotechnical factors and all these astronomical factors? I, mean, I don't know, if, as much as one can see such a thing. Do you see that as a possible factor in this scenario? Well, if you're talking about the extinction of, of mankind, then, you know, you sort of, from a logical standpoint, you have to divide it up into what are the possible causes either man-made or natural causes. Natural causes, we know that if uh, uh, we get hit by an asteroid that's big enough, you know, like the one that hit 65 million years ago, the white death of dinosaurs, then yes, that's a, that's a mass extinction. Uh, if, if, a, if a caldera, which is part of the, the Phobos book coming out in October, if uh, the Yellowstone caldera erupts, 
uh, that's an mass extinction event. Uh, you know, people, people don't realize that these things are actually real. That uh, that that caldera, which is a supervolcano, which which uh, there's actually three of them that sits on the Yellowstone Park. I think it occupies like 60 square miles or something. Um, it, that thing is long due to explode, and and it's already pushing up like a pregnant belly uh, beneath Yellowstone Park, causing the lake to flood into the forest. Mm-hmm. And that's been happening for a, a long time. And and that caldero goes, um, you know, so goes the breadbasket of America, so goes the atmosphere, because the de- debris will choke it and send us into an ice age. So that's a major scenario. Um, there are other little ticking time bombs that, you know, we don't have to go into, but they're, they're natural cause, and to say nothing about those things in, in space that can happen. You know, um, if there's a supernova or something like that, the radiation can kill us. Um, and the other side of the coin is man-made things. We, you know, can nuclear weapons cause an extinction of mankind? Probably not, unless there's an all-out World War III. It would take that many to, you know, to, to kill everybody. Uh, a biological plague? Absolutely. You know, and that's what Grim Reaper's about. Yeah. Um, is there anything else that can happen? Or, or maybe the more important question is, if, if the end of humanity is a supernal event, meaning it's been blessed to happen by the Creator under His you know, will, then what are the actions that are leading to it? And so we can take those as signs. And, and you look at the, the greed and corruption that is, has sort of taken over mankind, and you look at all the... Uh, the inequities and, and, and the, you know, just, you know, some of the things that go on on a daily basis across the world. And, and you know, because there's, there, I, there's a certain part, and I'm, I'm not a Bible thumper and I'm not religious, but there is, there is a passage uh, that's translated by the Zohar that, that discusses when the, when the scales of, of, you know, equality push toward the dark side, you know, when negativity outrules the positive then it does summon the Grim Reaper, it does summon the Angel of Death. And, you know, that's why Noah built himself an ark, not to just ride out the, the, the floodwaters, but to keep out the Angel of Death. Um, you know, that's what the Grim Reaper is about, that the Angel of Death is stalking the, the, the earth because of, of man's negativity has brought it on. And, and it, you know, it's, it's up to, to one man to sort of deal with it, and, and, and the, the humanity hangs in the balance. So... You know, I try to get into things that not only teach people things, but also has sort of is a weight that sort of stays with you after you read a book. Yeah, well, it certainly does with Grim Reaper after I read it. Uh, you mentioned the magic word there, Steve, and that's negativity. There, because uh, you, you and I stand in very different places. Um, I've, I've primarily a journalist, but for forty years I've been a, I guess, a paranormal researcher. I mean, to the point where it seems that. I've, and now working with Ben, who has different gifts than I have, having discovered a number of uh, what I think are insights into how it really works, there seem to be, and again, we rely on the multiverse perspective, that there are parallel worlds that explain a lot, and that's just how, as quantum physics might suggest, or some of them anyway, that this is how the universe is constructed, and that there are all possibilities out there, and we can improve our lot as a group by being positive, uh, but by being negative, we not only create problems in our own world and others, but we attract uh, the, these 
things that if I hadn't seen them with my own eyes, I would have thought I was crazy to say it, we refer to as parasites. And from day one, which is in the early 70s, I was running into these what appear to be not servants of Satan or demons, but are the, the, the uh, living, the life forms that seem to be a, uh, a cause of, the, of this folklore. And the, these are actual life forms that seem to be cosmic mosquitoes, um, the, the multiverse being sort of an open system of interacting worlds, uh, a lot more than what we see or feel with our five senses and everything else. And the, these beings seem to be feeding upon the negativity that we create. And so uh, just from having been around, it seems that these, uh, the, these parasites are responsible for a lot of what are thought of as haunted houses and all stuff that goes on. And we, um, we find them as being... Uh, critical factors in pushing buttons, even on the level of government, certainly within families, certainly within individuals, and, and that taking tendencies that we have to create our own problems and making them worse, because that's what they eat. They feed upon this negativity. I wish I could put a better scientific finger on it. So your, your use of the word negativity in the context in which you use it struck me uh, in that way. Uh, I think we're perfectly capable of making our own problems, and we have a lot of personal responsibility. But I don't. Ben and I, not, we don't underestimate the the influence of these interdimensional parasitical entities. That, as I say, I never expected to run into, but I have for the past forty years. I don't know if you have any opinion on that, but um, uh, I, it's 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 a formidable enemy, and uh, it's just another factor. Uh, I think, along with everything else that we have we have discussed. So, in your opinion. What do we do? Is there anything we can do? I mean, is there a happy ending in this at all? Or do you, you, as you say, sort of beyond the um, the problems that we've discussed. I mean, what do you see beyond that as far as uh, any sort of a solution to, to to this for whoever survives? Well, one of the things that I get in the Grim Reaper is that Satan, Satan, is 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 not a a Lucifer figure that that huddles under the earth and and you know causes us to do these things that that in actuality it's uh the human ego mm. and so and but there's a purpose to the human ego there's a purpose to this satan this internal voice that you know, you know that convinces us that it's okay to eat you know uh an extra piece of cake if we're on a diet or 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 shoot a guy in the face if he robs us or whatever it might be uh, you know, and and that is, and it deals with um, the purpose of us being here. Uh, I agree that there are different dimensions. In fact, there's 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 ten different worlds, ten different layers of dimensions, and and science has proven this, and it's written in the Zohar as well. And and uh, you know, we're on the lowest one called the Malchut, which is the physical world, and uh, we we've been placed here for a reason. And it, life is a test, essentially, and and we need to resolve our tikkun, which is our you know our our spiritual test. And each one of us has a different one. And and you know, in order to make the test more competitive, you know, you have to have an opposing team, and the opposing team is the human ego. Mm. So um, you know, life is a constant battle of chaos, of, of trying to to get through the chaos uh, created by the human ego. And if you look at all the negativity, all the negative things that have happened, uh, every one of them could be traced back to the human ego. All right. What, now, we know you have a family. and we are, We're all people who love our families. What? Uh, yeah, my son's sitting right next to me here. Yeah. You know, what, what are you doing, if anything, to prepare for what might be coming next year or beyond? 
Well, uh, since I wrote you don't the show mind game, we, yeah. Well, I, I don't mind saying. I mean, I, I I have a newsletter that goes out to my readers every month, and I try to give them the same advice I give you know my own kids. And and uh, you know, I have um, since I wrote the shell game, which deals with the end of oil and the next nine eleven event. Uh, I've been growing fruit trees, and we must have about forty fruit trees in a about a, a half an acre of land. And well, you live uh, in Florida, right? I live in Florida. Yeah, okay. Uh, but it's nothing that other people can't do wherever they live, uh, you know, and try to prepare for, uh, you know, the worst-case scenario. In a best-case scenario, that I get organic fresh fruit every day. And in sure. a worst-case scenario, uh, you know, I might have to feed my family and neighbors with it. So, you know, I, I try to think along those terms. It, it may seem a paranoid way to think, but, it, you know, when you, when you, if you're on the Titanic uh, and you're moving around deck chairs, you're still going to get hit. Mm-hmm. So there's you know, there's three types of people in the world, and those that are on the Titanic, the ones that head for the lifeboats are the ones that are going to survive, and the ones that uh, decide that, that there's no threat and let's go back to the bar, they're going to die. And the ones that scream and yell and on the on the on the main deck, they're going to die too. Mm-hmm. So you have to yeah. decide who am I going to be. Am I going to be somebody who prepares and prepares my own lifeboat? Uh, I'm not telling your viewers to, you know, people hear this kind of message. The first thing to do is get a gun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, he, yeah. You're, you know, that's not the solution is a gun. So if you but, survive, what do you think? A fruit tree is a solution. Um, a water treatment piece of equipment is a solution, um, you know. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm sorry, we have to take another break uh, there, Steve, but we'll be right back with Steve Alton on Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS New Sky Radio, NewSkyRadio.com. We'll be finishing up, so stay with us. Another turning point, a fork stuck in the road Time grabs you by the rest, directs you where to go So make the best of this test and don't ask why It's not a question but a lesson learned in time It's something unpredictable, but in the end is right I hope you had the time of your life So take the photographs and still friends in your mind Hanging on a shelf in good health and good time Tattoos and memories and death skin on trial For what it's worth, it was worth all the while It's something unpredictable, but in the end is right I hope you had the time of your life Something unpredictable, but in the end that's right, 
Radio's The Scar. Back to Behind the Paranormal. With Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOL. New SkyRadio.com. Believe. And we're back, <clears throat> excuse me, finishing up with Steve Alton, our good friend and a novelist, uh, writer of the, the amazing new book, Grim Reaper, End of Days. And Steve, if you could just sort of finish your thought about um, being prepared, and then uh, we want to move on to give you a chance to talk about what you're working on now. Well, as, as we said, sort of in between a break, um, you know, the object is not is not to be paranoid. The object is to be prepared. I write about these things first and foremost because I, you know, I, I want to write entertaining books, and, but I also want to teach the reader something as well, uh, show them some reality is out there that that they need to be prepared for, and and hopefully entertain them at the same time. And I think my books do that. And um, at the same time, you know, I don't. I don't shy away from controversial subjects either. Uh, I've had threats like you have, and and I I don't take the threats lightly. But I, you know, you don't get threatened unless you must be honest with something too. That's true. Well, it's a it's a very well written book, and I as a professional editor for many years, I appreciate that. Well done. All right, Steve, uh, tell us what you're working on next, and uh, about your website, where people can get the book, et cetera, et cetera. Grim Reaper came out in hardback in October. It'll be coming out in paperback this summer from St. Martin's Press uh, in August. And then in October, Phobos, My and Fear comes out. That's the third and the best of the, uh, the 2012 series. Mm-hmm. Very good. And your website? SteveAlton.com, S-T-E-V-E-A-L-T-E-N.com. And, and if you sign up for my monthly newsletter, you may become a character in one of my future books. <laughs> well, a lot of characters listen to this show, I'll tell you that. Well, very good. Well, Steve, thank you again for your time this evening. Very much appreciate your being with us. And, uh, you know, stick with it, my friend, and uh, we'll be in touch off the air. And uh, good luck with your work and keep up the great, uh, the great things that you're doing. Yes. I appreciate it, and thanks for putting up with my schedule. Oh, not a problem. Okay. okay. Talk to you soon. All right. Okay, folks, we've got time, I think, maybe for one email. And we've received, since our coast-to-coast appearance last Monday, uh, w- almost a 1,000 emails, uh, only two of which were negative because we really rely out on a limb on a number of things we don't have time to get into tonight. Uh, we will be talking more about that in future shows. But, Ben, if you'd be kind enough to read this letter from Mike, and Mike does not say where he is from. Uh, this is the first of many emails we're going to be dealing with. Okay. Um, Hi, Paul. I was listening to your show on Coast to Coast the other night, and you have a uh, and have a question that you may be able to answer. At the time, I was living in North Africa, 
the country of Tunisia, or, or yeah, northern Africa. So uh, the following event happened to me twice. As we usually, as was usually the case at at that time, I would take a nap in the afternoon in the living room. On both occasions, I woke up from the nap and did not open my eyes. With my eyes closed, I saw two feline uh, types of eyes looking back at me. Now the proof that is uh, proof that this was something living was that the eyes were actually blinking from time to time as we looked at each other. The strange thing I noticed about these eyes was that they were surrounded by rotating circle, a rotating circle of leaves, like a crown of leaves a Roman emperor would wear. Uh, these leaves would constantly rotate around these eyes, and the eyes would periodically blink. Uh, there were no spoken words, just the two of us staring at each other, if that makes sense. The first time this happened, I was curious. The second time, I started to get a little scared. I never sensed anything harmful from these eyes. I wonder what kind of being you thought this entity was. Thanks, Mike. Okay. I think this question might have been prompted, and the story might have been prompted by two incidents that I referred to on Coast to Coast, and that was two incidents involving creatures that, in one case, one that was bear-like and another one, another one that was lion-like. Now, I should, I should uh, explain that uh, for many, many years, I have been, I suppose, exp- experiencing multiverse, I don't know if you want to call it travel, because we're really already in these other worlds in one form or another. And uh, since I've been working with Ben, uh, my thinking has been clarified because he has gifts beyond what I have in many ways. And though our experience in the multiverse can be very different, it's the same playing field, so to speak. So I think what uh, Mike might be referring to here is my reference to a 1993 encounter in, in the attic of a New York home, New York State home, with a very noble and uh, good creature whom I refer to as bear-like because that's the kind of energy that seemed to be coming off him. But as I, as I said on Coast, I can't stress enough that we were talking about a creature of, of such nobility who was on a quest uh, did not speak English. And when I say, you know, I'm, I'm talking with this creature, I could literally see his outline. It was a masculine presence. And uh, I, I, as I sat there, I heard words in my ear. And, and, and as I was telling George Nuri, I mean, th- this is a, a textbook description of um, um, a schizophrenic incident. But other people, you know, th- there, is, there is corroborating evidence from a number of the sources that this actually occurred. So uh, no, I'm afraid we're running out of time here. We're going to have to deal. We'll, we'll deal with this question on another show in more depth. But I think that uh, suffice it to say, Mike, that there are many ways we can access uh, the multiverse, many worlds that are around us all the time where we are, and we will encounter, you know, not, not spirit guides and super beings, but, but but creatures of different species who are just like us, have similar problems, are still picked on by parasites, and are worried about to the 2012-2016 scenario. Uh, and uh, can perhaps be potential allies for us. So that's all we have time for now. We'll get into more, more uh, deeper into your question in another show. But I wanted to um, certainly thank Steve Alton for being with us tonight and thank our producer, Will Kosnick. And I'm afraid we will not be seeing you in, alive, at least, until June 12th. Ben and I will be on the road, but we'll still be on the air with rebroadcasts for the next two weeks, uh, May 29th and June 5th, uh, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 Pacific, right here on CBS New Sky Radio, NewSkyRadio.com. And, of course, in the meantime, uh, tune into our New England Drive Time show on WON, 1240 a.m. and com, 6 p.m. every Monday. Uh, we will be on live tomorrow night. Remember, you can always get free podcasts of all our shows, along with show schedules, at Behind the Paranormal. Dot com. And in the meantime, 
We leave you with a quote from British pundit Paul Kavanaugh. Quote, don't wake me for the end of the world unless it has very good special effects. Unquote. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we'll see you on June 12th.